Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Odorico, and right alongside, of course, each and every week is uh, none other than Legends Tour player and LPJ professional Cindy Miller. Good morning, Cindy. Good morning, Ted. How are you? I'm doing well. Finally, a little warmer weather creeping back up here in Florida, so I'm very excited after that cold snap last week, and I know you're still having uh, a little bit cooler weather up there, but uh, spring is in the air, and, and uh, we're, we're excited for that. Um, obviously, uh, we're the hosts of the Women of Golf show, Cindy and I, and we're, we're glad that you could join us this morning here on the Women of Golf. Um, just a quick reminder before we, uh, we get into uh, today's show, uh, we are live every uh, Tuesday morning, less otherwise stated, from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern uh, Standard Time here on blogtalkradio.com network. And uh, easiest way to find us, go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash women of golf, or just type uh, women of golf up in the search key. And during the live broadcast, you will see us front and center right on the page. Uh, otherwise, you can scroll down to the on-demand section and uh, you can uh, see or listen to the uh, uh, previously aired uh, shows as they are auto-recorded in their entirety every week. So uh, if you can't get us during the live broadcast, not to worry. Uh, you can li- listen to us when it's convenient for you. Um, also, if you want to call into the show, we'd love to uh, have you come in and join the chat. Uh, number to call in is area code 347-945-5855. And uh, also, if you're interested uh, in... And coming on the show as a guest, if you're somebody in the golf industry, whether you're a player, teacher, coach, uh, or maybe you've uh, got a great product or service that uh, enhances the uh, the golf uh, community out there, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to uh, either Cindy or I. Cindy's email is cindy at cindymillergolf.com, uh, or you can reach out to me at ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. And we'd also like to hear some feedback from you as well, so you can reach out to those either of those emails and uh, uh, share some of your thoughts and feedback uh, about the program, maybe something that you'd like to hear that hasn't been on the show previously. But uh, we're glad that you could join us this morning. And uh, coming up here in just a few short moments, we're going to be, uh, Cindy, we're going to be welcoming our first Symmetra Tour player of this season, uh, Olivia Jordan-Higgins. She was the winner of the first uh, Symmetra Tour event of 2017, the Florida's natural charity classic that was held down in winter haven florida at the country club there uh, and then a little bit later uh, chris hart founder of and ceo of next gen golf and joining him of course is leah schwartz uh, she's a student at stetson university and the founder of the co-ed club golf team uh, there on campus and as well as the director of women's golf uh, for the national collegiate club golf association and uh, we'll talk to them uh, on the second half of the show but uh Cindy, lots of uh, lots of great things uh, happening in, in golf. Of course, Bay Hill, uh, Mr. Palmer's uh, uh, tournament, and lots of good stuff happening in women's golf as well. Um, but before we uh, talk about a little bit of that, let me ask you, uh, you've got a great uh, product, if you will, um, the Learn to Hit It kit. Why don't you tell the folks about that? 
Yes, I have created the product, the Learn to Hit a Kit, to teach you how to hit it clean, airborne, and straight on purpose anywhere. Basically, um, in your backyard, in your living room, your front porch, maybe even your hotel room. So that comes with a, a portable mat that's very sturdy. It's not going to go flying anywhere. And foam golf balls that won't hurt anything. Uh, my Golf 101 book, you get a coupon for 10% off any Callaway Golf Club, and you mm. get a 10-module online course with eight downloadable PDF attachments, you know, resource-type sheets, if you will, right. to watch it. So basically you could be watching your iPad in your living room, swinging the club and hitting the TV with your golf <laughs> club or with your ball and, and learn to hit it good in your house. So it's really, really, I think it's a great resource and a great tool, and it's $99. So if you go to learntohitakit.com, you can purchase your Learn to Hit a Kit. Now, it was really created for um, busy professionals who need to learn how to play golf, but it's also very good for someone who's having trouble hitting the ball clean, airborne, and straight on purpose, which is most of us. So it's basically the fundamentals of what do I need to do and why is the ball not going where it's going? Is it my setup? Is it my grip? Is Am I too far away from the ball? Is it the club face? What What's going on here and how do I learn to hit it better on purpose? Right. And, you know, the interesting thing, uh, you know, about that, Cindy, is, you know, everybody's sort of been using the, the excuse that, well, I just don't have time. Uh, you've eliminated that excuse because really – um, you know, a lot of a lot of folks say, "Well, I don't have time to go to the range, or, or, or you know, I don't have time to go to the golf course and and work on my game." Um, but as you just eloquently pointed out, they can work on it right from their very own home, whether it be in the backyard or even in their living room if they want to uh, practice. And with the uh, the foam uh, golf balls, they don't have to worry about breaking anything. Uh, so, uh, guys out there, you don't have to worry about uh, your spouse getting on your your case about you uh, hitting golf balls in the house. You can assure. Uh, your spouse that uh, these won't break anything and uh, just make sure that you have a high enough ceiling that if you're taking a semi full swing that you're not nicking the ceiling. But other than that, you're good to go. But there's some great resources as well, right, Cindy? Absolutely. And and again, the point is, is there's probably simple solutions to your stray shots and the online lessons are very simple, very straightforward and teach you how to fix bad shots so for the price of one lesson you get 10 lessons a mat foam balls a golf 101 book 10 percent off any callaway club you want so i believe it's a great value um mm-hmm. so go to learn to hit a kit.com and buy yours today perfect um and uh I, I suggest that anybody tuning into the show this morning or any point after go and do that. Cindy's one of the one of the best teachers, in my opinion, in the business. And um, as she as she pointed out, for ninety nine dollars, which is the price of on average most lessons out there, um, you're getting a, a, a literally a plethora of, of information in her kit. So uh, don't hesitate. Go out there today. Uh, go to learn it to hit it and get yours today. Um, Cindy, we've got our guest uh, waiting here. Uh, as I mentioned, our, our first guest this morning is Olivia Jordan-Higgins. She's the winner of this year's uh, first Symmetra Tour event, the uh, Florida's Natural Charity Classic, uh, class, excuse me, in um, Winter Haven, Florida. And uh, we'll bring her on and, and uh, talk a little bit about her win and a few other things I think uh, 
we should ask her as well while she's on the show. So let's welcome our very special guest, Olivia Jordan-Higgins. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Olivia. Thank you for being our guest today. Yeah. No problem at all. Now, I know um, just uh, yesterday when I was uh, speaking with Brett uh, Lasky, I know that uh, the ladies are out on the West Coast, so I know it's very early in the morning, so we really appreciate you because you're about, what, three hours, two and a half hours behind us? Yeah, three hours. Yeah, so um, thank you for for getting up a little extra early and and coming on the show. (laughs) We appreciate that um, very much. Uh, Let's let's talk about, first off, uh, Olivia, um, before we get into uh, some of the other questions, just tell us a little bit about how you got into golf. What was your a little bit about your background in golf? Okay, so as a kid, uh, I play uh, playing a lot of different sports. I was obsessed with playing sports, and it was just one summer. My mom had said, um, "Do you want to try golf? Do you want to go to you know?" It was I think it was just a couple of hours a day, um, a golf camp. Me and my younger sister went, and uh, the pro that was teaching us just, you know, he kept saying, can I speak to your mom? Can I speak to your mom? And so every day I would go home. I said, Mom, he really wants to speak to you. And she said, well, yeah, I'm not buying new clothes because that was my thing. Every time I started in this fall, I wanted all the equipment. I wanted everything. And so she <laughs> said, well, yeah, I'm not talking to him. I don't want new equipment. You do this all the time. And then I told him this, you know, as a kid, you're honest. He'd say, well, she thinks you want me to buy new clubs, so I, I, she isn't going to come talk to me, talk to you. And so he said, well, no, 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 please. Like, I just want to talk to her about something. And so I went back. I said, Mom, he just wants to talk to you. And the whole thing was that he just basically wanted to tell my mom that I had a lot of talent to be good at golf and that I should consider trying to take it up a bit more full time. And so that was the beginning, and it took me probably, I would say, you know, two years because I still was playing a lot of other sports, and I wasn't willing to give them up. So it probably took me two years to really be competitive. You know, I would play on a Friday evening with the juniors and things like that to get started, but, yeah, it was probably, you know, two years before I'd played my first competition or anything like that. So Very good. So did you get the new clubs? I didn't. Not not for probably oh. a year or two. <laughs> I'm sure with not without trying. Um, just for those of you tuning in that maybe didn't pick up uh, the accent, of course you're from Jersey, uh, UK, correct? Yes, that's correct. So you're uh, now. Do you do you reside over here in the U.S. Uh, full time or are you just part time? No, I I pretty much live here. I mean, I technically don't have a home. I just rent places you know, in the winter right. and things like that. But I spend the whole year here now. Right. Well, I guess with the schedule, yeah, you pretty much have to. Um, tell us a little yeah. bit about your win, uh, Olivia. Tell us a little bit about your win um, at the uh, in Winter Haven. Yeah, it was um, very exciting. Um, one of my goals has really been to get the season started a lot better because uh, I have a tendency to be a little slow out the gate. You know, it sort of takes me three or four events just to settle back in, get used to having a cord in my hand again. So, you know, this one was, this is definitely special for its own reasons. And, you know, the fact that I went wire to wire, that's been another thing that I've really, you know, been trying to 
uh, do. And so there was a lot about it that was just special and felt really good. I played well all week. I managed to minimize the mistakes, uh, made a lot of buddies. So, yeah, yeah, it's uh, still sinking in, I have to say. It's taken a little (laughs) while, but, um, yeah, it's been really exciting, and everybody's very happy, so it's been good. Perfect. And this was win three, right? Yes. Yes, it was. Cindy, go ahead. I'm reading your little bio here today, and I'm very intrigued to know you – you fell just $114 short over your tour card in 2013 and finished in the mm-hmm. top 20 list, 20 on the money list each year from 2012 to 2014. Um, so the next sentence says, I want it more than anything. Can you share with us, because I don't know that the listeners realize how hard it is to get really good at this and how many setbacks and delays and detours and possible dead ends people have to face and push through to get so committed to want it more than anything to then be able to do it. Right, absolutely. And, uh, you know, ever since I sort of decided to commit to golf, I knew that, you know, I wanted to be the best in the world. This is what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. So, you know, every move that I've made, every decision that I've made has all been to try and get myself onto the LPGA and to become one of the best players in the world. So, you know, it's a lot of years of hard work and, yes, as you say, a lot of setbacks. Finishing 11th for me was probably the hardest thing I've ever had to go through. Um, You know, I'm a very passionate player and I live for this so you know when I finished 11th and I found out literally moments before they were handing out the 10 cards and oh, you God. know it just mm-hmm. yeah it, it was one of those moments that I'll it will always stick with me I'll never forget it but you know I think I'm a big believer everything happens for a reason I maybe wasn't quite ready for the LPGA emotionally and mentally and that's something that I've really worked hard on the last you know two or three years just to kind of you know learn to be a little more uh, you know a little less roller coaster but a little bit more steady emotionally Um, just so that you can prepare for the ups and downs because there's so many in golf. Um, you know, there's right. so many within a round, there's so many within a tournament, there's so many within a year. So, you know, I've had to work hard on that, and I think that's really what's starting to pay off now. You know, I felt when I won last week, I just was so calm and steady and, you know, it didn't matter what happened, I just kept going. So, yeah, it takes a lot of hard work, a lot of commitment, um, but... You know, at the end of the day, you just hope that it will be worth it um, in the end. It's almost like you have to mature and go through all these lessons, if you will. And the lesson of, you know, missing the card by $114 may be the best thing that ever happened to you. Because the way you're talking right now, once you get there, you're going to be one of the best players in the world which is 
this is what you have to do to be able to be emotionally, mentally, physically <clears throat> ready to be a star. So it's right. really preparing you, which is awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, we all have to go through these moments and stages that help help us grow and get better. And, you know, I think I had the talent physically. I just, you know, there was something missing emotionally and mentally. And, you know, I've, really, I've got a good coach, Allison Kurt, who... Um, oh, I love that. She's been on yeah. our show a bunch. Yeah, so we've worked really hard on my mental game, um, you know, because that's what she specifies in. And, you know, it's it's been a long journey. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been working with her for 18 months. Um, but, yeah, it's it's starting to pay off. And I think having her behind me has <clears throat> really made a big difference. Awesome. Yeah, Al- awesome. Allison's a great yeah, Allison's been on the show uh, a number of times, and uh, she's a great guest and a great teacher. So uh, you're you're certainly in good company. Um, yeah. <laughs> this brings up Cindy. You know, th- this brings up Cindy an interesting thing because you know you and I have seen over the years uh, a number of players that have uh, very quickly come on tour um, and and then sort of peter out because they weren't really ready. They whatever reason they they were fortunate enough to get their card fairly early uh, in their pursuit, but then. It weren't, uh, as uh, Olivia just pointed out, weren't really maybe mentally or, or emotionally ready for it and just sort of fell by the wayside. Uh, and that brings in, Cindy, something that you've talked about, and that's self-talk, you know, what you say to yourself. Olivia, talk a little bit about that. Um, you had to have a lot of patience, obviously, this, uh, this tournament that you won here recently. Um, let, let's talk about the self-talk. What do you say to yourself in moments when things aren't going the way you want them to go, what do you mentally say to yourself to keep yourself in the moment and, and able to, uh, to move forward through the round? Yeah, I definitely, uh, there was a few moments last week where I had that and a double on seventh hole in the final round. And it's so easy to get quickly down on yourself and say, what are you doing? This is not good. You know, and all this negative self talk. And it's just a matter of sort of trying to focus on the positives. You know, I had played so well up to then. I think I hit uh, 16 greens the first day, 17 greens the second day. So I was playing well. I was hitting the ball well. I was putting really well. So it's just a matter of trying. And it's hard. Don't get me wrong. If this is not easy, this is a lot of work that I've put in. Um, it's just trying to flip how you talk to yourself and reminding yourself of the good things and letting go of the bad, you know. Um, You're going to make mistakes out there. It's golf. It's so easy. Um, So, yeah, it's just I really just try and remind myself of the good shots that I've hit and the good things. And it's important to tell yourself just to let it go, you know. You you never know what's coming on on the back nine. So, and I have to say my caddy last week was really good at trying to keep me in the moment. And, you know, I still had 11, 11 12 holes left. And uh, she just kept reminding me there's plenty of buddies out there just keep moving forward. So, um, yeah, it's, it's tough to do. It takes a lot of practice. It takes a lot of uh, determination to change the negative into the positive. But it's worth doing for sure. Yeah. And Cindy, you, you've had, I mean, you've been in that situation before. Uh, Cindy, if you're not aware, Olivia is not only an LPGA professional, but she now plays 
uh, on the Legends Tour. She's played with right. uh, some of the best in the bit in the business. And mm-hmm. Cindy, you've been in a position, uh, a, a, certainly a time or two, where you've had to have that that mental self talk. Uh, maybe you can expand a little bit more on that as well. Uh, well, I think you know she's totally right, and what you have to do is grow as a player. And and I love the fact that you said mentally and emotionally. And I think it's belief and trust. For me, do I believe I belong? And I think maybe that's the lesson that I had to learn because when I first played on the tour, you know, a million years ago, of the best in the world, <laughs> I was the wor- one of the worst. And I wasn't ready and I didn't believe I belonged and I didn't last. So right. I've had, you know, 30 years to simmer over it. And and now, you know, when I had to go earn the right and do the Monday qualifying and get in the event, it's like, you know what, I, I have earned the right to be here. Right. And and I am good enough to do that. Now, on the other hand, I'm not Julie Inkster, but that's not my calling, if you will. Right. You know what I mean? And so how good can I personally be? And And I'm always striving to pursue my personal best. And, you know, you got to, there's so much involved in it. And you have to listen to the self-talk and say, you know, well, that was pretty negative. You know, why did you even say that? You know, like you just said, I was hitting 16, 17 greens a day. You're going to make a bad swing. You're going to have a little bit of bad luck. It's not a big deal. Let's just keep going. You could choose to say that or you can choose to, "Uh uh-oh, here we go. We're blowing it again. Well, which one would you want to (laughs) be? You know, (laughs) so... Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, and, and Olivia, you know, what, what's interesting, too, is um, Cindy just raised a very interesting point. She's not Julie Inkster, um, so she's right. not trying to be another player. And I think sometimes, you know, and not just in golf, but in every aspect of life, we, you know, we see people that we admire, which is great. There's nothing wrong with admiring them. But then we try to emulate um, what it is that they're doing, and it may not fit in right. our wheelhouse. So you know, a lot of times you don't get uh, prepared. So that, I'm sure that's something that Allison uh, works on with you is to make sure that uh, Olivia is playing her game, not somebody else's game, correct? Yes, absolutely. And, uh, you know, it, it's so important that you stay who you are and stay within, you know, what you're capable of. And I think, honestly, that was one of the mistakes I made when I, when I finished 11th on the money list because, I saw it as such a negative, and I was like, well, why didn't I make it? And those 10 people make it. I have to change everything. So, you know, I wanted to change my swing. I wanted to change whatever it was. Right. And that was almost what set me back two years to get back to where I am now. And, you know, there was nothing wrong with the way that I played. I missed it by less than a shot. You know, I obviously had what it took, and so – I just think it's so important and, you know, obviously the older I've got, I think it's important to learn from other people, you know, sort of pay attention to the things that they may be doing well. But, yes, you have to stay who you are and what works for you and play the the game that you play. You just have to, you have to stick with that because that's who you are. And trying to be somebody else doesn't make you play better golf. So I would definitely agree with that for sure. Um, something Let else, uh, Cindy, that caught... Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, Go Cindy. ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. No, you go ahead. Well, here's the kudos to you, is mm-hmm. the fact that you didn't quit. 
and you right. didn't give up. Did you ever have that thought? Of course. A lot of times. You know, I think, uh, I can't, I, you know, I think it probably took me about six months for it to set in. You know, I, you know, we finished in October, and, you know, the whole off-season, I was like, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. It's not a big deal. You know, I'll just come out and I'll dominate the next year. And then when I got back out here, I was just, I was upset. I was mad. I hated golf because I was like, why would you do this to me, you know? So I've definitely had moments of, you know, I, it's just easy to go get an office job or whatever it is, you know. Oh, um, oh. So, yeah. Definitely <laughs> oh, don't do that. Moments. Yeah. But, well, uh, God bless you for not giving up. That's that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, we're glad you didn't. Uh, the question I wanted to add sort of rolls into what mm-hmm. we were just talking about, and, and something I noticed in the notes here, and it, it talked about one of the things um, that you made sure was that you weren't going to scoreboard watch because it meant that you were going right. to be focusing on what the others were doing. What I want to ask you is this. Now, obviously, for the amateurs that are listening to the program, uh, they're not playing in a professional event like you are, so they don't have a big scoreboard, but they have a scorecard. Right. Now, obviously, mm-hmm. when you go into a tournament, you have a specific goal in mind, and you keep focused on that goal throughout the tournament. Um, much like a player, uh, whether they're playing in their, in their uh, club um, tournament or, or even just with some friends, certainly have some kind of a goal. Maybe it's to break 100 or 90 or whatever the case is. But one of the, the traps that a lot of amateurs fall in throughout their round is they start focusing on the numbers on the scorecard. Well, I need two more birdies to make sure, you know, I get it at this point at, at nine. And then, you know, and then they, they, they kind of do to their own detriment. Don't you agree um, a little bit that sometimes by watching those numbers all the time, they're doing themselves a disservice. What do you do to, to, to prevent yourself from, from falling into that trap? And what could you suggest to our listeners? Right. And that's something that, I have had to work at because I was a scoreboard watcher. I always knew what I was shooting. And this that was actually one of the first things that Allison and I worked on. Um, you know, we would go out and play nine holes, and after nine holes she'd be like, what did you shoot? And right, I could give her the number right away. And she's like, okay, we need to sort of try and find ways to not focus on the score. And what the thing that we've worked so hard on is, getting sort of engrossed in the process, you know, being so focused on your pre-shot routine, your target, visualizing the ball, that you you don't have time to think about your score because your goal right in this moment is, you know, picking a target, picking a club, whatever it may be. And that, for me, has been the thing that's worked so well because, you know, to tell yourself to not think about the score, obviously it's it's almost like a, you know, it has the opposite effect. The more you tell yourself not to do something, the more you want to do it. So right. the idea is that you have to focus on something else because your brain needs to be thinking about something, and so you have to try and turn it into, a, you know, into a benefit. And so by me getting more focused on what I'm doing at that moment, takes me away from things that I shouldn't be thinking about um and it's you know it's not something that you can just do tomorrow and it's done it takes a lot of work but it's just you know if you can find a way to focus on other things um you know and obviously you're supposed to be thinking about what you're doing with the shot at that time and not on your scorecard 
um, you know, that's the thing that's really worked well for me. Um, I don't know if it will, will work for everybody, but, you know, it's definitely something that has made a big difference in my game uh, because I did have such a tendency to be so focused on the score and what other people were doing. And, you know, I've just right. tried to sort of tell myself, focus on you and what you're doing at this moment in time. You can't change what anybody else is doing. You know, if somebody's going to shoot 65 and you shoot 66, well, there's nothing you can do about that. You did the best you could that day. Um, so, yeah, that's that's the best advice that I can give um, is just focus on what you're doing at that moment in time. And, um, you know, a lot of that is going to be the pre-shot routine and, you know, where you want the ball to go, how you see it's going to, you know, what sort of shot you want to hit. Um, so that's that's been the thing that's right. helped me the most. Perfect. You well, Olivia, it, we want to thank you. You know what it is? It's everything. Yeah, I, I just have to say one thing. It's everything that you can sure. control. And the right. only thing you can control is you and exactly. your thoughts. Right. And then whatever happens, happens. So it's going to make you less crazy. Right. And, and that's the thing I think most <laughs> most amateurs believe that, you know, pros control their ball on purpose. Well, if that was the right. case, everybody would win every week. Right. You know, and that's exactly. what makes golf such right. a challenge. Anyway. Right. Well, Olivia, thank you for uh, for joining us, and congratulations again on your, your win uh, of the uh, uh, Florida's Natural Charity Classic. And we know we've, you've got many, many more wins in the bag. So um, two things. Uh, keep uh, keep hitting them well, and say hello to Allison for Sydney and I. And uh, I tell her uh, kudos there. Yeah, tell her kudos for uh, for raising a, a helping to uh, raise a champion here. So thank you very mm-hmm. much for joining us, uh, Olivia, this thank morning, you so and, much. and good luck this week. Thank you. Good I luck, sweetie. Thank you. Bye. All right. Bye. All right. Bye bye. All right. That was our uh, very special guest, Olivia Jordan Higgins, uh, winner of this uh, first event on the Symmetra Tour, the Florida's Natural Charity Classic. Um, Cindy, we've got our other guests uh, here patiently waiting, so let me just do a quick introduction here and we'll bring them out. Uh, first on is, uh, is uh, Chris Hart. He's the founder and CEO of Next Gen Golf, and uh, he's going to be joined by Leah Schwartz. She's a student at Stetson University uh, and founder of the Coed Club golf team on campus and director of the Women's Golf for the uh, National Collegiate uh, Club Golf Association. Let me just tell you a little bit of background on, on each. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, Chris is the founder and CEO of Next Gen Golf. Uh, he graduated in 2008 from Bryant University, magna cum laude, and where he studied financial services. He spent uh, five years working in financial services at Morgan Stanley and Cerulli Associates before following his passion to build a business uh, for young adult golfers. While attending uh, Bryant University, he played uh, on the varsity team for his first three years in college, but didn't play on the senior uh, team that year. Uh, Next Gen uh, Golf was founded three years later to help solve some of the fundamental problems with non-varsity college golf, and we'll talk a little bit more about that when uh, when they come on. And then Leah, as I mentioned, she's uh, a Stetson University uh, student and founded the uh, Coed Club Golf Team on the campus, and as well as the Director of Women's Golf for the NCCGA. Uh, she's from Miami and interned for the LPJ last summer and is very involved in community service, both on and off the golf course. So, Cindy, let's welcome our very special guests, uh, Chris Hart and Leah Schwartz. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good, good morning and welcome to uh, the Women of Golf Show. We appreciate you coming on this morning. 
we uh, we appreciate you having us on and, and thinking of us. Not a not a problem. Um, Cindy, why don't you start off first? Chris, tell us a little bit about why you started um, Next Gen Golf. Sure. Well, it's, um, we we really realized some of the fundamental um, issues with the game in terms of when you turned 18, you're you're really forgotten about um, from a from an industry standpoint. You know, unless you played varsity golf. Uh, so there's so many great junior programs out there and junior tours and events. And we do a fantastic job as an industry getting juniors into the game. But then if you turn 18 and then you go to a college that you may not be good enough to play, you're, you're kind of out. And you know, so we, we looked at, um, especially when you turned 18 in those pivotal college years where it's really, really tough to be a golfer because you're getting pulled in a million directions, um, started to, to work and solve some of those uh, issues and really try to help more young adults and especially college students you know, to to start playing more golf and stay you know, stay in the game and retain uh, retain those golfers as an industry. Let me uh, this is Ted. Let me ask you something, Chris. Just a, sort of a follow up from that. Uh, and you're exactly right. I think there is a, a demographic in there of young adults that really um, not only the industry but just. Uh, golf in general sort of skates past if you're as you said if you're not playing uh, you know college or varsity golf um, what is there for you so what specifically did you have in mind when you were putting this together what did you specifically want to target obviously you want to target that age group but um, what did you want to sort of get out of this and and what was some of the feedback initially when you first proposed this uh, to, to some of the students sure um, I mean two of the, the the two biggest fundamental um, uh, things that we were really focused on were, were cost and uh, competition. So cost being a, a college student, you, you're on you're on your own. You don't have mom and dad paying for you, or some some still do. <laughs> I didn't have that luxury. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> so affording golf was a was a struggle, and I think it's something that you know, we really encourage. And when we first started out, we'd built a college membership and encouraged every golf course to offer a college rate which is something we still you know, think should happen um, because it's, it's just, it's not a lack of that people don't, uh, don't want to play. It's just sometimes they can't afford to, especially if they're paying out of their own pocket. Um, so cost was a really uh, big one. And then secondly, competition. So one of the things that I found out when I didn't play senior year in college was, well, where do I compete now? There's, there's nowhere for me to compete. There was nothing out there at the time. And, you know, club golf wasn't really a thing. Um, of, of what it is now and it's there wasn't a place for me and you know and the, the stat that I you know I use a lot and I you know I really that that kind of hits home is that there's about 226,000 uh, kids that play high school golf competitively and then there's only about 13,000 varsity college golfers in the country so from a just pure number standpoint there's over 200,000 competitive players that always were you know, losing what they had and what they loved and what they grew up with when they went to college, which is now obviously you know, why we exist and, and one of the fundamental things that we're, we're solving. Wow. That, that is a, that's a big number. Um, and, you know, Cindy, obviously, you know, Cindy played, uh, played competitively at a collegiate <laughs> level and then went on to the, uh, the LPGA and that, but see, that, that's, that is a big issue. There, there's a lot of golfers that, that, as he just pointed out, come up from, 
the ranks, if you will, and then maybe aren't quite good enough to make it on the, the collegiate teams, um, but want to play golf. Um, that's the great point. I'm, I'm sure that you've experienced that as well, correct? Well, here's here's the perfect fit for not only me, but lots of kids in the United States that are really smart, who want to go to really good schools, who really like golf, but they're not quite good enough to play on that team. So, Or there's no women's golf team. So I have a player right now who's a senior, um, or a junior, I'm sorry, and she really wants to play golf, but she's not quite good enough to go to D1, but she wants to go to a really good school. So I had a conversation with Chris, and this young woman has um, applied to Princeton, Syracuse, Xavier, Boston College, Lehigh, all these schools, and he goes, well, every one of those schools you mentioned has a club team. So now she's got hope, you know, that she can Mm -hmm. go to a really good school and still play golf and still compete. And that, right, and Leah, that right. was, and, uh, Leah, who's on the phone, that's, that was the same situation for her where, you know, she could have, uh, she could have gone and played at, at different schools and decided to go to Stetson. Leah, um, yeah, obviously I want really, to bring you into the car. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. I was just going to bounce off of Chris there, but when I came to college, I was kind of similar to that where I was looking for the strong academics and I had other things that I wanted to pursue as well in that field. But I wanted to still keep playing golf, of course. And I got to my university, Stetson University, and that's when I discovered the NCCGA and next-gen golf and realized that there was this opportunity for me to keep playing. And there wasn't a club team existing on my campus when I got here. So I went through that whole process, was able to start it, and it's just been an incredible opportunity to be able to continue that passion that I have for golf and also to have met other men and women across campus that – we're in the same situation as me, and we have this opportunity to come together, compete, and really share that love. Fantastic. And this is really, Chris and Leah, this is an opportunity, too, for, for folks that maybe didn't play a lot of golf growing up um, that really have no necessarily a desire to play on a golf team but want to play, you know, maybe learn the game a little bit and, and be involved in some sort of a competitive uh, nature. Are you finding students – of that category uh, coming out and, and, and showing an interest as well. Yeah, I yeah know, there's definitely, definitely those those students. Yeah, Leah can speak to her team as well. <laughs> yeah, for our Go team, ahead, when we advertise it across campus, we say that it's open to people of all different levels and variety. And like even on my executive board, our treasurer, he's an accounting major, and golf is an incredible professional sport as well to just keep going in your career. And so he had never picked up a golf club before, helped me start the club and just seeing how he's progressed through that. And we have a lot of people that know about golf but never played but are interested in it. And we try and do a lot of fun activities as well to get people involved and then eventually progress to that competitive aspect as well if they're interested in that. Perfect. Um, Cindy, go ahead. So let me ask you, this young girl I'm speaking about <clears> – <throat> really wants to go to Syracuse and she hasn't found out if she's in or not but she said there's not any women on the team so Leah what should she do should she reach out to the school before she comes should she find out who's in charge tell us what the process would be well for me when I got here 
we had a D1 women's team, and so I had met some of those women. But then just in my interactions, going to the golf course meeting with the men's golf coach at the university as well, I got to meet other women involved. But something that I'm really interested in doing as the NCCGA Women's Golf Ambassador is being able to create those connections for women across the campuses and across the nation, being able to find other people that do play golf and other people that they can get involved with. So I would suggest for her to just reach out to the coaches and see what opportunities are. And there's all incredible resources on every campus as well. Like my, the wellness and recreation program at my university was extremely supportive in connecting me with other people and the admissions as well. Cause the admissions department knows people that are coming in. They see the interest when they apply and my advisor for our club golf team is actually one of the directors of admissions, and he played golf at our university. And any time that there's someone that comes in with an interest in golf, he'll connect me with them, and especially women, because that's, of course, what I'm looking for as well. Mm. Awesome. Guys, let me ask you a question, um, and this sort of goes into the, the development of the game in, in, in itself. Obviously, um, the majority of golfers out there right now that currently have, have sort of registered as golfers uh, are in an, uh, an older demographics. But, you know, as we know that that demographic is slowly going to be dwindling away over the next uh, uh, several decades. But um, so the next generation is really your generation. What's been some of the misconceptions, do you guys think, um, with, with golf in general? Um, with some of the, the millennials and that, is, is there a misconception that it's, uh, well, you know, I, I, I don't want to play professional golf, so it's really not for me. Is there that misconception, do you think, with some of the younger folks out there that maybe have not been introduced to golf at an early age? Um, Chris? Yeah, from a misconception standpoint, I think, you know, I think there's, um, if, if you read the media, there's, there's probably more negative stories than positive um, out mm-hmm. there. And there's, you know, there's been some, some bigger news outlets that are saying, you know, golf is dying, golf has no future, so forth. I mean, I completely disagree. I mean, we look at it from our our, our organization, right. our standpoint. I mean, we're going to, you know, we didn't exist, you know, five years ago, and we're running 185 events this year across the country. So clearly wow. there's an interest and an appetite from, from people that, that want to play. I think, um, you know, a couple things from an industry standpoint, I one of the you know, we just actually did a research study um, in uh, in January, and and pulled over a thousand of our avid players from our community, and you know, there there is a real interest and appetite for golf. Um, I think one of the the struggles that we have as an industry is is that there's uh, there's other activities competing for people's time, so right. there's there's more to do out there than just than just golf. And I think that you know certain aspects we need to accommodate and and I know people hate to talk about costs and the word discounting um one of the struggles that we see from you know from some of the people within our community and others I hear that don't play golf that there is a mm-hmm. cost barrier in terms of well is it worth is it worth my time for this amount of money i guess is the <laughs> the the conception and you know, some people say, geez, I, I don't know, well, I could go running for free or I could do a road race. And so I think there's there's small, subtle things that we can do um, to to help accommodate that, you know, without sacrificing the, the business model of a, of a golf facility. Right. Yeah, I, I agree. And there are some certainly initiatives. 
Uh, Leah, what's some of the, the feedback that you're, you're hearing, particularly from the, the, the women's side? Obviously, um, the, the women's market has, has really grown a lot um, over the last uh, decade or so, but uh, again, primarily in the uh, collegiate and professional levels. But uh, for sort of mainstream America, what's some of the, the um, feedback that you're hearing uh, when, when you're talking with some of the, the female students at your university? I can tell you initially when I met with some of the female students, they also kind of knew about those misconceptions and that general attitude of that, like, gentlemen-only, ladies-forbidden kind of aspect of golf. Right. But I think it's something that's definitely improved over the years. I mean, just from working at the – interning at the LPGA, it was founded in 1950. These 13 women had a dream. And Mm -hmm. when they first started, they were the ones that were coordinating the tournaments and running everything. And – just seeing how we've progressed from that time to where we are now, I think we still have a lot of places to go, but we've <clears> overcome <throat> so many leaps and bounds in the industry. And just knowing that women can be competitive and women can have a place in this sport, I think it's just improving the attitudes nationwide and with everyone at every level. Knowing that, of course, I mean, women may not be as strong as men. We may not be able to hit as far. That's why we have some difference in the T's. But we do still have that competitive aspect, and we can still do very well and make a place for Let me ask you a question. Yeah. Well, or, or a statement, I guess I could say. Here, here's the deal. Yeah. We all know that if you know how to play golf in a business setting, your personal stock level goes up. So what better way than to find a club team if you're not quite good enough and you're not going to play on the tour and you really want to get a great degree and you want to go into business, this is the perfect opportunity to continue to play golf, hone your skills, get a degree from a great school, get a great job, and be able to play golf with the guys. Of course, and that's kind of how we market it too, is just golf is a game that you can play for the rest of your life. It doesn't matter if you want to play on tour. I mean – Myself, I love it, but I don't want to play on the tour. I want to keep working in the industry, of course, and go far with that. But just the fact that it's something that you can always carry with you, you can make connections with so many different people as well, which I've just found in my own experience. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, uh, a couple um, other, I mean, another thing, too, like you know, one thing that when we, when we first started, too, when we said all of our events are co-ed, we were kind of looked at very strange, like, hold on, what do you mean? Men and women play in the same event? <laughs> now it's like, oh, yeah. wow, that's pretty cool. So it's it's, right. it's kind of an interesting you know, shift and, and something that, you know, I think that we've, you know, we looked at and said, well, why can't men and women play in the same event? And they're on the same team and they're, they're together. I mean, I think this generation is very, very, you know, uh, more inclusive than exclusive. And I think over time that's going to continue to continue to change. Yeah, and I remember literally took the words. Yeah. Sorry. I was was going to say the. I was going to say the very same thing. Go ahead. Go ahead, Leo. Hi. Yeah, I was. I remember talking to Chris after one of our first tournaments that we played as a team, and a couple of the guys on my team were paired with two girls from another team, and they kind of made an initial joke to me. They're like, "Oh, we're playing with some girls," and then they kind of caught themselves realizing they were talking to me. They're like, "Oh, well, no, no, it'll be fun." And the girls ended up beating them, which yeah. I thought was very funny. <laughs> that helped them realize. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so they kind of, that, that nipped that one in the bud real quick. 
can be a lot of fun, and it can be competitive, too. You never know what, how, what the outcome may be. Well, you know, and, and, that, and that's, um, again, sorry to interrupt, but that, that's really what I was going to say as well, Chris and Leah, was that I think this generation has become more inclusive than exclusive, um, and I think it's been a good thing. And I think that's what this generate the, the younger generations coming up have really been pushing for in all aspects of life is, is hey, let's, let's do things together. Um, let's create a unity, if you will. Um, and I think that that's something that's become very, very important in, in today's society is let's, let's find ways that we can work together as opposed to work separately from one another. And um, I think that's uh, going to serve the, the industry as well uh, down the road. Um, Chris, talk about, you, you mentioned here just a few moments ago uh, 185 tournaments across uh, the country. Talk a little bit about uh, how, how, first off, how you expanded that many tournaments. And uh, is it available virtually in every state, uh, Next Gen Golf? Um, sure. Yeah, I mean, so uh, I guess I have to say we've we've been really fortunate because of the the digital age and you know how social media works and how you're able to connect with people pretty pretty simply and easily to expand and and scale and and naturally. I mean, we've been very fortunate. We have a great you know tech team here, and our organization thinks tech you know tech first. Um, so I I think um you know, we we actually are nationwide. We're not in every state. Um, we're not sure. in the uh, Mon- we're not in Montana or the Dakotas or we don't have anything in Nevada yet. There's a few states that we're you know call it missing um, mm-hmm. missing some uh, you know colleges. We work with over 400 colleges across the country. You know which you know, three years ago was 40 colleges. So you can just see wow. there's there's truly just a, a demand and an unmet need there. <clears throat> so naturally it's it's grown and and then we built a, a city tour so it's team based golf in the summer. So when a lot of our college players kept graduating, saying, well, what do I do now? I'm 22 now. I'm living in New York City. So we had built a city tour, which is uh, this year going to be in 20 major cities around the country. And it's, it's all team golf for 18 to 39-year-olds, so young adults. And they, they compete as part of their company or with their friends or with their mm-hmm. alumni um, from their school. Something else, too, which is very interesting, uh, and you both pointed out, of course, it's team-based, and uh, Leah, you pointed out, of course, you like the fact that it is co-ed, um, but also there's no handicaps. Explain that, uh, Chris. Sure. I think that, I mean, the team-based format um, makes it difficult from a, from a handicapping standpoint. Um, right. So club golf um, in the NCCGA is very similar to varsity golf with the exception that we take there's eight players on a team and you take the top five of eight scores versus four out of five. Um, so obviously there's more people playing for a club golf team in college. And on the city tour side during the summer, um, it's two person best ball or it's two person scramble uh, tournaments. So obviously you can't have a handicap with scramble. And then what we found is that the best ball players, they really want to play you know, pure golf and compete. Um, so handicapping isn't isn't something that uh, you know fits there. That's why the scramble format exists for people that might be a little bit higher handicapped that just want to play and have more have more fun. Um, and and one thing that we you know we've really looked at is this generation. There's different ages. There's different skill levels, and it's very difficult to accommodate everybody. But we do our best to be able to do so. And um, the good and the bad of of our organization. I mean, we have players that. You know, literally break course records shooting 62 on their own ball, and also players right. that shoot 105. 
they're playing in the same event. Right. <laughs> so it's wow. difficult, but it's, you know, it's very inclusive and open to uh, all genders, all skill levels, um, and right. so forth. Well, and that gives the, 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 the less skilled players an opportunity to learn from some of the better players, too. I think that's a, a good opportunity for them. Uh, and the, the better players is going to teach them a little patience, um, you know, <laughs> having to wait for, for some of their, their less skilled players uh, getting up there. So that's a, a good thing as well. Um, Leah, very quickly, tell us a little bit about your intern uh, with the LPJ. What were some of the things that you did? So I, at the LPG, I was working in event management and marketing, and I worked really closely with the teaching and club professionals and the girls' golf program. So, of course, they were focused on growing women's golf in the nation as well, similar to what we're trying to do with Next Gen Golf and the NCPGA now. And I did a lot of press releases. I got to interview some teaching professionals that had been on the tour earlier as well. And I helped come up with a social media plan to really just increase the reach of the organization and to tap into more of those millennials and young adults in golf. And actually, my first time speaking with Chris was when I was interning at the LPGA because they were really trying to tap into that younger market and see how to keep golf going through the levels because the LPGA does a wonderful job with the girls' golf program and then they have a wonderful job with the tour, but then there's really kind of that gap for this generation that Next Gen Golf really does a great job at tapping into and being able to keep that going. Let me ask uh, just, just a, a quick question here as well. Um, and, and, Leah, I'm, I'm going to direct this one at you just because, um, again, being being uh, female, one of the things that, that I think the LPGA would really, really love to do is to get more women not just playing golf but actually teaching golf. Do you have any suggestions on, on how they could really focus in on the millennial crowd, if you will, and get them interested in, in teaching golf as opposed to just playing golf? I think they're doing a great job right now at just looking at resources across the nation and really shaping it in a fun way as well, so kind of coming up with different skills and challenges to teach students that they do to keep them engaged in the game. And I know the LPGA has actually started a partnership with the PGA of America as well to help grow the game of women just in that diversity and inclusion aspect. So just knowing that there is that opportunity for them if they don't want to play or they don't see that as being a career. But teaching is a great way to just be able to give back and be able to show what right. you know and what you've learned. And it's, of course, a great way. If you're teaching people, then those people will be playing, and that's going to just keep growing the game as well, knowing that you're having that impact on the industry and on women and in golf in general. Perfect. Well said. Um, Cindy, any final questions? No, I think you guys are doing a great job, and I'm so glad you created what you're doing because there's a lot of people who will be, you know, you will benefit a lot of people, and I think it's awesome. And, Leah, great job with the LPGA and growing the um, all the marketing efforts. That was super. I think I met you last year at the national championship. I actually was not able to attend the national championship, but I do look forward to being able to meet you at some point. I worked a lot on all the efforts that went into putting that on, and I know it was a great event. Well, and that's, I think, why I know the name, because Tammy talks about you a lot with the Facebook, yeah. growing Facebook page. I think that's all you're doing, so thank you so much. I appreciate it. We appreciate it. 
No, of course. I really, it was an incredible experience and opportunity. I loved working with Tammy and Nancy, and I got to have some conversations with Mike Wan as well. And really a quote that stuck with me that he said was, leave the game better than you found it. So that's what I'm really working towards doing in life. Awesome. Perfect. Well said. Um, Chris, how about sharing with the folks, um, those that maybe are interested in learning more about Next Gen Golf, where they need to go? Sure. Um, well, thanks. Thanks again for for having uh, having us on. We we really appreciate the time and um, and, and looking mm-hmm. into our organization. But they can find more at uh, nextgengolf.org um, is is our website. And um, on the college side, the NCCGA, and then young adults in the summer is the city tour. Perfect. Well, again, thank you. Uh, Chris and, and Leah for for joining us this morning on the Women of Golf. Very interesting insight, uh, if you will, into uh, the next generation. How we can uh, uh, continue to grow the game, and, and some great ideas uh, that you've given us here this morning. So we appreciate you sharing that with the audience. Thanks again. Thank you for having us. All right, not a problem. Right, Keep up bye-bye. the great work. All right, bye bye. Um, very interesting, uh, you know, approach, Cindy, on on how they've. Um, you know, put this together because, it, you know, as Chris pointed out, there is a there has been a big void, um, if you will, from that sort of high school to to collegiate uh, level. Um, and, and I like how they they've sort of taken that approach. And I mean, to to grow in three years from 40 uh, schools to f- over 400, that's a pretty impressive number. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely, absolutely, it's awesome. Yeah, that's that's fantastic, and and more to, and sure more to come. I mean, that, that's just uh, that's mind blowing, really, when you think about it. And uh, one of the things I wanted to ask him, and I and I, I forgot, was uh, just a rough estimate of how many numbers of of uh, folks that are in that in those groups. Um, I'm, I'm sure it's got to be astounding. And but um, but anyways, we'll save that for another conversation. Um, well, Cindy, it's been a good, interesting show. We had our first uh, Symmetra Tour player on this morning, Olivia Jordan-Higgins. Congratulations again on your uh, first Symmetra Tour win of 2017, Florida's Natural Charity Classic. Uh, c- congratulations to that. And uh, thank you, Chris uh, Hart and uh, Leah Swartz, uh, for sharing uh, about the next-gen golf uh, phenomenon, if you will. Um, it, it's uh, certainly a great start to... Uh, to helping uh, grow the game in that uh, demographics, and I'm sure it's going to continue to grow as the years and and uh, and so forth. Um, and on that note, Cindy, we've we've got to go. So we want to thank all of our listeners uh, worldwide for faithfully tuning in to the Women of Golf Show each and every uh, Tuesday morning. And uh, we'll be back next week here uh, from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern here on the Women of Golf on the BlogTalkRadio.com network. So on behalf of Cindy Miller. I'm Ted Odorico. Thank you very much. God bless everybody, and have a great week, and we'll see you next week right here on the Women of Golf. Thank you, Cindy. Welcome. Have a great week. Bye-bye. Bye.